Welcome to Career Crossroads Uncorked, a series of member chats inspired by good drinks and current talent acquisition trends. Your hosts, Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin, break down today's recruiting headlines while reviewing a select beverage of choice with industry leaders and influencers. Join us for a drink in conversation. Okay, Chris Hoyt here with Career Crossroads, and uh, welcome to another session of Uncorked. I've got Jerry Crispin. Jerry, say hello. Hello. <laughs> and Marie Artem, Vice President, Talent Acquisition at Enterprise. Marie, how are you? Great, thank you. So, uh, my hand, how could I not be? <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. So, thank you for joining us. And as we raise our glass for the first sip, uh, cheers to everybody. Cheers to you. Cheers. Oh, that's pretty good. Do you want to? Well, that's really good. Do you want to tell us what, what, wine, what wine you picked? <laughs> so what wine we're drinking? Yeah, what did, what did we go with? So um, we went with an uh, Affinity Cab. It's, um, it's really a blend, but it's a, it's a cab out of Napa uh, from Robert Craig. So I love a red blend from Napa, and that this one might be doable for our different parts of the country to find but, and enjoy. I think it's great. I like I like cab forward, so most of it is cab, yep. and uh, a little bit of merlot and cabernet franc and that kind of thing. And I, you know, immediately um, great nose, lots of berries, a little bit of cherry. I like it. Thank you. Thank you for being my song because I'm not good at those parts. I'm I'm not, but I read well. I. I- I look up at what I'm supposed to be tasting, and of course, that halo effect works perfectly. Perfect. So, so instead of some, is there some other? Is there a translation for the word that just means expert wine drinker? Because I feel like that would be me, like sama yum yum or sama sama. <laughs> that would be me too. Sommelier wannabe. Yeah, and actually, Chris is drinking the other bottle of wine I picked out. And, the uh, Papillon, right? Papillon, which is an orange swift, which can't go wrong with those blends. Those are always fun. Really delicious. Heartbroken, I couldn't find the other, uh, but absolutely was not going to go through this call dry. Now you have, <laughs> Marie, I know you have you have a favorite uh, winery in Napa that you know you've been to or you know something, because I, I know you've been buying from that. Yes, and if I were thinking ahead far enough and it wasn't 100 degrees in Texas, I was going to send you each a bottle to drink tonight, but we'll just have to do it at a later date. Um, my original plan was Nicholson Jones, which is the covert winery, which is actually Pam Nicholson, our CEO's husband's winery, and uh, they've been producing since 2003 amazing old old world style reds. Um, their winemaker, Julian Bayard, is, he has a, a number of labels that he works with them on. Uh, but really, really yummy wine. You can order it online, but it's uh, it's available in stores more California cool. here, things like that. But it's great. And it's connected to Enterprise then? It is somewhat connected, yes. Uh, Pam's name is on it. Jones is her maiden name. Nicholson is their married name. So Nicholson Jones. That's fun. That's neat. Yeah, I, I, like I would that. like my name attached to some wine. Yeah, and it's good wine. You can. The problem is uh, all of the deals to attach your name to a wine make you buy a barrel of stuff that you just don't know it's going to come out at the other end two years down the road. I, I just... I, <laughs> my, grand, my grandfather made wine. My, and, really? You know, we, we, oh, sure. Yeah. Without a doubt. He had, a, he had 
wine in his backyard. He had a press, which one of my uncles took after he passed in the 1950s or something like that. And uh, but he would he would make a couple cases every year. The problem is, it was awful. It was the kind of stuff that you would you know. You know, you, you even as a kid, I would smell that stuff, and I go, "You got to be kidding me! Who would ever drink this?" So, so not something Jerry Crispin would hang his hat on. Not today. In That's... in those days, I guess you drank it because you know it was your grandfather or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Marie, uh, we ask you to to sort of join us for a drink and your favorite topic. And the only condition I think we sort of laid out there because Jerry and I just kind of, we really need a breather was to just not have that topic be artificial intelligence or recruiting automation. We just needed a breath of different air. And did you have a hot topic that, that you wanted to talk to us about that had nothing to do with robots taking over the planet or recruiting as we know it? Well, I am happy to not talk about that because I'm equally tired of hearing about it. Um, and I'm not quite sure it's ready for prime time enough to keep talking about so much. So we'll get there. Um, I, I mean, I always lean to, you know, I think what speaks to enterprise the most to me is our candidate experience that, you know, whether the candidate is a customer and, and really how I think, you know, I always think we were all, we've been focused on the idea of it before the, the term was kind of coined and everybody was bringing it alive uh, and just trying to mirror our customer experience with our candidates. So um, I guess that would be where I would start and we could see where it takes us. All right. Where do you think you are with all of that? Do you, you know, if you if you had a ten point scale, mm-hmm. um, how how far along that journey are you? Are you satisfied with where you are? Would you like to be much further along? Is there whatever? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because it, it depends on how you measure the journey. So, mm-hmm. I think from a um, a personalized kind of touch really hello um a really uh you know us thinking about how we take care of people we do it quite well and i'd put us up there around maybe an eight or nine in the formal measurement net promoter score kind of an area we're not there yet um we have a lot of room to grow and i i think you know thanks to some of the work that you've been a part of in the whole candidate experience award um and you know, the, 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 the information we get back from that, we've been able to really kind of be a bit more self-aware as to where we're strong and where we're not. So where we, you know, we're so decentralized, there's several hundred people out there touching candidates every day from the HR function, let alone all the hiring managers. And, um, you know, overall, I think we're way up there, but we find, especially, you know, as we measure ourselves for real, that that there's sometimes that we're not delivering where we want to be. And, and actually it's been a topic of conversation all the way up to senior leadership this year um, to say, you know, we, we need to be same as we focused on it from a consumer side, we need to make sure we're just as consistent on the candidate side. So I'm not sure I totally answered your question, but that's, I think it depends on where in that spectrum. Right. You know, if one of the things that I think you've pioneered for many, many years and, and it creates still a conversation anytime I raise it, is you make your recruiters visible to the candidates. So if, I, if I'm in a particular part of the country, um, I get to see which of the recruiters is responsible for that geographical area, and I can, I can see who they are. Um, I could look them up on LinkedIn. I could do any number of different things that make make them real to me as an individual, as a person. Yeah. Um, 
And that's true for all of your recruiters. And I have to tell you that still, most companies are reluctant to get over that. And, and they, they worry too much about whether or not, uh, I don't know, the recruiter is going to be stalked or something else. I would assume that the experience that your recruiters have had over the years um, suggests that they, they're fine with it. Yeah, you know, you, you've made it a point to, to keep that alive. And I think it's something that we didn't realize was all that special when we started it till we started talking about it. But um, we've done that since we've had an online presence. And today, to your point, if you go to our website, to the recruiter uh, section of it, you, you by location can find the, uh, you know, not only their name, their picture, um, their LinkedIn, their email, their phone number, their LinkedIn profile, um, all of those things are right there. And we did that so that, you know, because we didn't want that black hole. We, we wanted people to know where to find a person to answer their questions that's local to them, that's going to be able to relate to what they're looking for. And it, it's never been overwhelming. And, and my, I, my phrase is always that crazy will always find you. Um, so no matter how hard you try to hide from anybody, the crazy people will still find your recruiters. But the, the vast majority who really want it for good purposes are, you know, the, the idea of just being out there is, is not overwhelming. You know, we get a huge amount of candidate flow and, and you know, a lot of volume, but um, none of them would tell you that by having that out on the website, it's changed what they do. They don't know any different. They've never not had it. So I guess they wouldn't have that fear. Uh, but if we saw that that inundated them with people that made them unable to do their jobs, we would certainly look at it differently, but it's never been the case. Do, do you ever get with the, I know that you get uh, data back uh, in NPS, you guys do the surveys and you're part of the candies and, mm-hmm. but do you ever get any stories back or any feedback, even if it's anecdotal stuff that comes back from the field that says it, it made a difference or it had an impact on the recruiting experience for a candidate, whether it came from your recruiter or not, that you guys are just so transparent? We do. I think we hear it um, with the, the recruiter level and definitely we hear, you know, just that it was so nice to actually be able to find a person. Um, we get so much feedback of just, you know, um, even if it was just to reject me, it was good without maybe in those words, but it was, it was, I got, it was so nice to hear from an actual person and, you know, it, it wasn't, it is somewhat automated, but it comes, even all of our, we get back to everybody and it comes from an actual recruiter and their email. So, uh, you know, I think that those things mean a lot, those little pieces of, of just, you know, that it's, it's someone who actually cares about this work I put into the process. But on the website piece, on the campus, I would say especially, we hear a lot around just how easy it was to find someone to connect with, to, um, to ask questions, that kind of thing. Yeah, campus. So I've, you know, I've always loved campus recruiting. Uh, I've never run a campus recruiting program, but I've always touched it from the digital side and partnered with them. But now that I have two uh, daughters that are in college, <laughs> I have a very special and invested uh, vested interest in sort of how uh, college students are sort of treated from a candidate perspective. Uh, so, I, so I'm just going to kind of keep pushing on you for this. So just to put okay. things in perspective, right, for the listeners, um, how many candidates, for those who say, oh, we get too many applications, there's just no way we could put, uh, make our recruiters that visible. How many, how many applicants roughly do you think enterprise goes through in a, in a college season? So we don't, the one thing I can't do is separate it out from college because we don't separate our college function out. So um, we get, 
Our recruiters are full cycle, so for all positions. So college is a part of what they do. So their workload is everything from a part-time car washer to the management training program and interns, which are the college stuff, to experienced folks for, you know, that same program or accounting. So a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, they, we get, uh, as a company, about 60,000 applications a month. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I probably should know the math by heart, but I don't know it. Um, but so, I mean, that's a lot of volume. We have about 200 people that touch that, but again, they're, that's only a part of what they do. So, um, so it, it is, it is doable, but it's, it's certainly not low volume. Yeah. So half a million or so candidates uh, yep. rolling through yep. a system that have access to figure out who the recruiters are and who are guaranteed to hear back from a real person is, is no small task. Yeah, well, that that's them. Uh, that's applicants. So if you look at you know our website, it gets millions of hits. So it's it's that, and they're on the website. So that's even pre-application. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And one of the one of the other things that I I've noticed that you you've made a shift in. I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not it continues to be part of your process. Is since you hire so many people into the management development program regardless of whether they come out of college or they're older or maybe even retired or what have you, but that's, that's a, a huge job family, if you will. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's, I think it's an important part of how your company sees itself, that they grow people from the beginning. And to prove that a few years ago, you, you sort of <clears throat> set up a, a method for ringing the bell mm-hmm. Where, where if people got promoted who joined at the lower level and then they got promoted and they kept on moving, um, you were recognizing them on your career site. Yes, we is do. That that. Still, is that still working? It is. Um, actually, it's, it's, well, it's a Jerry Crispin idea. I give you credit because you're the one who said, you need to show this better. Oh, well, well we- done, Jerry. Yeah, I know. You have to understand, Marie, <laughs> among many of those talent acquisition leaders, she would, if I were at a, um, at a conference and speaking, even though it might be the th- 30th time she's seen me, she would show up in my damn, in, in the damn meeting and, and sit there and take freaking notes. And I'm going, how can you possibly be taking notes on stuff? I keep talking about the same thing over and over again. She's writing in her journal. I can't believe this is the 30th time. So, so Marie, it's not me. It is, it is the fact that data um, is, is useless by itself. It's only when you are stimulated to find an insight and actually execute on something right. that it makes sense. So well, and that's stop giving me credit. I give you credit for at least stimulating the idea because that was, we had a conversation and we talked about, you know, you got to know our business a bit and they're just, you know, the, a lot of people and a lot of companies say they promote from within. I think the way that enterprise does it is quite unique and, and, um, really is our way of, you know, every, pipelining people into all those leadership and management roles. I mean, I started in the same place as our CEO and COO and you name it. And, uh, you know, everyone in our HR and recruiting organization started the same way. So, you know, it's just that, that development of talent is so critical. And so, you know, how do we differentiate from just telling everybody we promote from within, which is what everyone in the world says. And so we were having that conversation and, and you said, you know, 
how can you like show it in some way? Like, you know, so we took your idea of this kind of and made it into this ticker. So the promotion ticker on the front page of our website, um, it's today, not quite real time, but relatively close. Once a week, we update it. So it it is an ongoing ticking up number throughout the calendar year. And, um, and it is one of the most popular things on our site. We've also used it then through social media and some of our pushes around that. And, and interestingly enough, most recently, we are just in the midst of, um, of activating a global employment brand. It's our first time of really taking us globally from every sense of the word global, from um, country, role, brand, everything, uh, and really working inside out with an employment brand strategy. And, and we're implementing that now on the, the external talent acquisition end. And um, that promotion ticker, which was only in North America, uh, every employee and candidate that we focus grouped with in Europe loved it as much as, as everybody here did. So it will now be part of the global site and the new one that's launching in October is even cooler. It like moves and so we're, we're getting better. But, but the idea was, um, and I think Carolyn who's, uh, Eisman, who's our director of employment brand and who I you know, partner with constantly and is so good at this stuff, you know, she's a firm believer in showing, not telling. So we try to really apply that to everything we do. And when it comes to things like promotions, you can have, you know, the story that highlights a person, but how do you really get it to show that it's kind of throughout the organization? So that was one piece. I have another one too, but I'm talking a lot. So I'll let you go too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, no, will the new ticker go up? Uh, will it be by location or will it be one big, one global ticker? It's still one global, but there'll be the ability to then split it out based on where people go into the site. Oh, very yeah. cool. Very cool idea. That's good stuff. Uh, oh, we can't hear Jerry. Jerry. Jerry's doing his uh, mime impersonation. <laughs> Proof is going to be very, very important. The more we need transparency um, and the more candidates are BS detectors, they're going to go, you know, every single person makes a claim that they develop. What can you do to demonstrate that you actually do and that there's a result as a result, you know, that, that relates to that. So, I, I, I love the fact that you've made an effort to, to engage it. And if you can do a little A-B testing to see if it, you know, has a little bit more of an impact, um, I think it's great. If nothing else, you acknowledge all these, these folks that you've hired and that you're, you know, you're giving public uh, evidence of the fact that they've, they've now been acknowledged as being promoted or moved or whatever. Yeah, the other thing we did really quickly, because I think it plays into that, is um, when our current now COO was promoted, uh, she, with her promotion, they we tracked it back to every promotion that dominoed down all the way to a, the first the person getting their first promotion to assistant manager. Um, so we took it backwards down the chain, and then we. Um, we put it all out there as one big kind of infographic, but then highlighted each person and each one told their story. And, you know, uh, and we use that in a number of ways. It's on the website, but it's also things we've used socially. We've used individuals within it. We've used the whole story, but it's a really interesting, um, it was an interesting effort to go through because I think we do it all the time, but taking someone from the very top level promotion all the way down to someone who's a year with the company getting their first promotion and all that happened in between um, kind of was an interesting and cool way to tell the story that we hadn't done before. 
Any any unconventional career paths get uncovered there, like stuff that you know most folks wouldn't wouldn't think to expect. Some surprises. We uh, I, I don't know if they're that unexpected. I mean, they were unexpected or unconventional in our world, so it wasn't just the straight path of you know there's a ladder and it just goes straight up. So mm-hmm. definitely people who had moved into other divisions or taken some different roles in other departments and and then moved back in. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, for us, it also was a way to show, you know, diversity in different ways. And, you know, again, not kind of a telling it, but just allowing it to happen just based on, on showing the story. What was your path? You you started at the bottom. I did. Started as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I mean, you. Well, how many years have you been with Enterprise? I have been there 26 years. God, I love it. Yeah, so since I just said right out of college, and don't do the math, I graduated college at eight, and then... (laughs) Don't worry, we're in recruiting because none of us want to do math. That's right. Uh, It's all good. Uh, Yeah, so I started out, um, and I, I, you know, like I think most people we even hire today, even though I think our leaders seem to think that everyone should want to commit to a career, which we know doesn't happen. None of us did even then. I thought I would do this for a year and see what it got me from experience to go somewhere else. And, you know, I've had a number of different paths under it. So I started a couple of years in the, the branch and management sales side of the business. And then I moved into HR and recruiting um, all in our Chicago market. And then I had a great opportunity about actually 18 years ago to come to St. Louis and uh, for a brand new role to create kind of the strategy behind uh, recruiting and, and start to build it. We were doing a ton of it all over the place, but there was no one person kind of bringing it all together here and seeing what we needed to do next and making sure we were consistent. So that was a new role I got to play with. And this is the, I don't know what iteration of it now. So. But I think it, I think it not, it's not only unique. I mean, there are other companies that do something similar but the, the advantage that I observe is that when you, when you talk to somebody who is on the line mm-hmm. about what you think they should do from your window, it brings a different cachet in the fact that you've been there, that you actually started in that trench, if you will, doing the, the work that makes, makes this business uh, successful. And so if you recommend that we should hire a particular person, that carries, in my opinion, a hell of a lot more weight um, than, than someone who's just consulting to it. And I'm not downing the other piece of that. That's an important issue in and of itself. But, but you bring more than evidence. You bring your own personal um, experience of doing the business. And I think that that has an interesting power for enterprise and enterprise recruiters. I think it's, I I don't think it's a, I think for us, it's an advantage. So it's a distinct advantage for us to have everyone in our hiring organization is hiring for a position they've not only been hired into, but have promoted themselves up through. So they know what the job is, they know what it takes to take to the next steps. And so it's back to that transparency. When we're talking to someone, you can tell your own story. You're not telling someone what you think the job might be or what you've, you know, what, what the piece of paper says it is, but you're, you know, it's got the, you know, as you know, when you're storytelling, which is the best way to recruit is you're telling your own story and, you know, 
that means something to the person you're talking to. Now, trust me, the person I'm talking to on campus who isn't even born when I started, um, I have to adjust my story slightly, but it still carries some weight because I still think for them to see that, that, that where I am today, they, they're starting in the same place. So, you know, and everyone they meet will have a different version of that. So yeah. it, it yeah. adds to it for sure. Well, let's talk. So I want to talk a little bit about it. So you, you mentioned campus, campus and you guys are really known for your campus. You're on campus recruiting and the work you guys do. And you certainly in the space, your involvement in NACE and the support there. So we just recently had uh, our colloquium where we discussed it, it was early career and, and college recruiting. Yep. And one topic that was fascinating to me that came up was the control uh, that some of the college students are beginning to sort of flex, right, or, or begin to push uh, back on employers with regards to how they're treated. Uh, and one really great example of that was offers, uh, uh, reneging on offers. So a lot of uh, students, and I'm curious if you guys are seeing this as well at Enterprise, but a lot of students, it turns out, are accepting four or five different offers. Uh, and then at the very last moment, saying, just kidding, uh, to four of those and taking the fifth, sort of shopping those and doing the lottery work. Uh, and we think that based on the discussion is we think that that's really their pushback on saying that, you know, we deserve to be treated uh, more fairly. We deserve for more transparency. We deserve, you know, more of that uh, human and human resources aspect. So are you guys seeing any type of pushback from candidates, whether it's in uh, a college candidate specifically, whether it's in the world of, uh, you know, where the offers get reneged or where they're pushing back on sort of how they're treated or how the offers are made? So I think um, reneges, especially in the market, you know, the job market the way it is today, reneges are definitely up. And I think, you know, when I've talked to my peer group, we're all in the same place. And I think that plays into the market. And I think to your point, it also plays into just the difference in the way we look at the, they look at the world of work. Um, and the different, it's interesting, even from a NACE perspective, as we've talked about it over the years, it's always been kind of the, there was a point in time in the past where career centers would say, you're, you know, if you renege on an offer or you do what you just described, you're, you know, you're out, you don't get to interview anymore. And that's no longer really a big deal. First of all, I don't think, I mean, you know, I think they'd find other ways around it, but I think their parents, faculty, all kinds of influencers are telling them to do that because there's, you know, I think what's the, over time, what company is loyal to you? You know, they're going to do, you know, I think that whole kind of, it's so, well, I, I know that it's a disruptive thing that that, that that happens. And for a lot of companies who have very structured kind of traditional college programs, a little different than ours, it can really mess up what they're trying to do and they think they have someone and they don't. Um, I, I, you know, I think what it makes you rethink it. So for us, we've always tried to take a little less um, formal approach. Hope this doesn't come back to haunt me with everybody hearing this, but um, so we, I think, you know, where we can, we're going to, we're going to, let them, we'll give them the offer, but we're not saying you need to give us an answer by X date as a way to pressure them into making a decision they're not ready for or to cause that behavior to happen. I'd rather be the recruiter. And I mean, I think we talk about it with our folks all the time that be the person who says, let me know what else you got. Let's talk about it. You know, what's best for you is ultimately what we, can, we don't want you to come here and leave. So we'd rather just, you know, help you make a good decision. And if you, you know, that doesn't always happen, but when it does, you know, one, it, it leads a little bit more of a relationship with them if they do come on board, but even if they don't, they trust you with it, and we don't end up with someone who wasn't going to stick around anyway. So, and, I, you, I, and you get and you get folks who might be more attuned to <laughs> using enterprise when they do want a car. 
Right. Uh, you get more people who might be interested in coming back to you when they look for their second job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, so I think there's that I don't necessarily know that it's going to go away. And I think it's, it's probably not a good idea to try to push it back into that idea of you take an offer and you only have one and that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it, it means how we manage that process has got to look a little different because it, your numbers are impacted by it. Again, for us, not as big a deal, but for others, it definitely is. But we do see, I think we're seeing that. I just did, and I talked to someone uh, for an article recently about the whole idea of ghosting and how it's happening within, you know, it's, it's moved from the dating online dating world to the, you know, to the job world where, you know, they just don't show up or whatever. And so I did a bunch of, I, I reached out to a bunch of our recruiters to see if they were seeing that. And most of them shared that they're not really getting the ghosting thing on the professional side, maybe a little bit on the, the support side, mm-hmm. uh, but they are getting, you know, less personal ways of people letting them know they're, they're not going to show up like a text or whatever. So yeah. I think, you know, recruiting similarly follows dating, and this is no exception, I guess. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I've been a fan of you and the work you do for years, and I really think you guys are just, you're ahead of the curve. But I think, I do think it highlights a point of, you know, if if you are one of those organizations, those big organizations that are, you don't necessarily have college recruiters, you have college event planners, and you're really treating candidates like cattle, this uh, uprising right of and, and demand for a better candidate experience from college could really hurt you in the next 2 years if you're not if you're not looking out yeah i think we I, we have a lot of these discussions in that peer group college wise and i'm always i remember when I first got into this role a really long time ago, one of the first benchmarking groups I went to and everyone went around the room and talked about how they, you know, they look, they go to these 20 colleges, they look for these exact majors, they look for these GPAs and they can't get enough diversity. And it yep. just went like person by person by person. And I was new to this. So I came out of the field here and we weren't as structured obviously. And, and I was like, well, why wouldn't you just open the funnel at the top a bit more? And that was 18 years ago. And I think it's crazy. It's starting to shift, but it's still there. And today with technology, you can find great people anywhere, anytime. You can still use your traditional college methods, but if you're limiting yourself to that, you're doing your, your business a disservice as far as I can see. And it definitely impacts the candidate experience. Yeah, well said. I think it's an interesting way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You, so one, one comment uh, about you, Marie, is that you've, you've been giving back for many years at NACE particularly, even though um, management development covers well beyond um, early career. And so you look at it a whole different way. You, you've made a strong effort to do that, to be, you know, totally engaged really with NACE and other organizations as well. But, but in NACE, they recently acknowledged you and, some of your buddies, um, I'm thinking of Dan Black as well, yeah. in, um, in becoming a fellow. Yeah. That has to feel really good. It, it was amazing. And I will tell you, I, I know it sounds so like cheesy cliche, but it's, um, I, that was the most um, surprising phone call I ever got. I had no idea that it was going on. Um, I, I had never, I, like I, 
I've been on every position the board has. I've run the organization. I've been part of selecting people for that. And um, it just never really crossed my mind that that would be something that I would be a part of or considered for. So it was wonderful. It was it was an honor and um, quite humbling and 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 for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a great recognition of your peers or from your peers and um, of your efforts. But um, you know. To your point, we do college a bit differently, but it's always been a big part of who we are because it's a way for us to make sure people right. see the brand as a place to work a bit differently. Um, and it was it, it took a lot of work on internally, even though we have a lot of support for our college efforts as part of our recruitment process. It took a lot of work internally to get um, our my my management, my leadership, to understand why it was a good idea for me to sit on a national board of an association and what's it, what's in it for us kind of a thing. And, you know, there were a lot of reasons that there was something in it for us, but you know, so the, the recognition there really played into it um, just showing that we were able to make an impact on the profession, make an impact on driving where things were going. And, you know, that's why I always encourage so many people to get involved because it's the only way that you can really make things move if you don't like where they are today. Uh, but it, it was it was really cool. It was really fun, and uh, yeah. to, to get the recognition the same year as Dan, we we jokingly are always kind of attached to things, and we're good friends. Uh, we have a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences in in our programs. Uh, it was really fun to be able to share that with him too. I think it's great, and I I, I raise it only because I do think uh, that talent acquisition leaders who are really focused on trying to improve their company. Um, as they do that, they need to think beyond that. They need to think about how they're impacting the entire space and what they can learn from that space. And I think you've made a career out of, out of getting good value from listening to your peers in using NACE in a, a proactive way. And I do think uh, that you've given back in, a, in an extraordinary way as well. And, and that's really powerful. I think we need more of that, and I love to see more of that in our, um, not only our members, but our, but just our entire profession. Yeah, I think you learn from different people every day. I mean, that's, to me, I, I welcome the fact to know that there's people that know a lot more than I do, and uh, how can I you know, benefit from us sharing. I always, you know, say that recruiting is not rocket science, so you're not giving away some secret that's going to, you know, that nobody... Nothing we do is that different. It's all in the execution, but all those little execution pieces you learn from other people or different things they've thought of are going to help you each other out. So um, I'm not afraid to be in the room with a competitor and share ideas because it's all in, you know, in, the, in the long run. It's just how you execute on it. I know an amazing community that, that yeah. does a, what I think a really fantastic <laughs> job. <laughs> 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 might be a plug. We'll stick an ad in the middle of this somewhere for ourselves. It'll be great. So, okay. Okay. So that's a lot of recruiting and we're drinking a fair amount of booze. A couple of us, we've re-poured a little bit. I got to tell you. I'm switching to yours, Chris. I'm switching. I opened ah. bottles and not because I'm going to drink two full bottles of wine while we're on the phone, but I decided I needed to try both to make sure we're on the same page. It's so good. We it's may so want to note that this is a Friday afternoon somewhere around five o'clock central time. <laughs> yes. And I'm at home, so I'm not going anywhere from here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, th it's really good. I don't, uh, I really don't know how to describe it. Um, 
And nor- normally I can pick a hint of, you know, something up or, or sa- say something really bougie that sounds like I know what I'm talking about with regards to wine, but I know that it's good and I know that I, I'm getting some sort of fruit forward. That's going to be the bougiest remark I've got, but it's not heavy. I don't feel like I'm chewing on it. You know what I mean? It's not, um, it is definitely much lighter than the, um, this one is a definite blend. It's lighter than the cab. Than the yeah. I don't know. I would do this with a steak. I think I'd probably do something heavier with a steak, but this is, um, I could drink a few bottles of this just sitting around the house by myself. And is that sad? <laughs> try not, sad, try not to. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, one, give it one, one thing, top of mind for you from, from an industry. It could, it could be related to candidate experience. It could be related to anything you want, Marie. You get to say one, one thing that you wish more of your peers, more TA leaders, would, would put more focus on or shine, or shine more of a light on. I know that's completely out of left field. You, you aren't ready for that. Um, but just one thing, if you could, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she can't take it. I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're, no prep, no prep involved. Yeah, no, just put me on the spot. It's all good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I think I, if I look to myself and to my peer group, I think one of the things that um, we don't always do ourselves a favor with is really standing up and stepping up to, um, to being in the forefront of what the business strategies are. So, uh, and kind of what I mean by that is I, th- I think, you know, when we all get together as a group, we understand that some of the things we're doing make no sense. Like why do they have us saying this or not doing that? Or why do we have to, you know, why did someone ask this or why did somebody put this in this role? And, you know, all, all these questions come about that are business related that we probably have a lot of good answers to and a lot of, of knowledge behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that as an organization, we always, not that we don't have great people, but we don't always do ourselves the best service when it comes to to stepping up to that and really being kind of an equal part of the table. I, I even look at a I, one of your recent colloquiums, the leadership one, we talked about who reports to who. And not that reporting structure is the end all, it's how businesses develop, but I think, you know, the more that talent acquisition gets kind of moved under something because it's looked at as a piece of something and that leader can't articulate why it should look different or, you know, really kind of sell the, the put us at the table piece of it for another cheesy line that I don't like to use. Um, But I think, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for us to do a better job of articulating our worth within the organization and our ability to talk the talk. And I think that means you also have to do it. So again, this is where I think, you know, we have an advantage. I I'm part of the business as much as I'm part of the HR organization or the sales of TA organization. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I think is always in my head is how do I make sure we're, uh, you, I'm always, thinking of what's the impact of the business and how do I make sure that those in those positions know that it's happening or not happening. It's not always easy to do. I don't do it perfectly, but I I think we can do a better job of it as as a, as a profession and it, because we have so much to bring to it. So thanks for the on the spot question. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing such a great job with it. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, Jerry, why don't you take us out? Take, take us out, really? Yeah, take us out. That's my new. That? 
Yeah, it's my new podcast, Lingo. I love it. I think it's great. We're getting pretty good at it. We're feeling we got Uh, equipment now. There was an inference before for those of you who are listening to this about a year from now. Chris and I have been to Burning Man. We're going tomorrow morning. So this is like an enjoyable, relaxing conversation with actually one one of the folks that we admire the most who's doing great work. And I just uh, enjoy having com- good conversation. Well, thank you. Me too. Thank you, Marie. Marie, thanks for joining us. I'm still going to hold you. We've got a Nobu that we have not uh, we have not broken in yet. <laughs> that. We've we've still got that on the calendar for this year. No, Nobu Dallas. Nobu Dallas for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank you for your time. And it's a busy, busy Friday uh, at 5 p.m. Central. Uh, where we're enjoying uh, a nice beverage and a great conversation. You're one of the most amazing leaders uh, that we have uh, exposure to. We have a chance to sort of get to know a little better. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Fun. All and right, guys. Reason to drink some good wine with, my, with some great friends. Well, it's a good choice. Safe travels and have fun. Be safe. We will. We'll be safe enough. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Career Crossroads Uncorked. Chris Hoyt and Jerry Crispin look forward to sharing more drinks and conversation with you next time. Until then, cheers.